Welcome back in everyone to a fantastic new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by two amazing artists, one returning, one new. Returning to us, we have the director, Rachel Langton, and joining us, we have the playwright, Eugene Grigo, who are with the new show, Blythe Seance. You've got two chances to be catching the show. The first is October 5th through the 8th at the Players Theater. It's part of the Short Plays Festival. And then October 21st and 23rd at the Crane Theater, and it'll be part of the Days of the Dead Festival. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting playerstheater.com and frigid.nyc, respectively. But this is a fabulous new show. We are excited to bring it to you. We're excited to have our guests on. And let's go ahead and just bring them on. Rachel, Eugene, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thanks for having us. I am very excited to have you here. Rachel, welcome back. It's so great to see you. And you both have this great new show, Blythe Seance. I'm so excited to know more about it. And so Eugene, I'd like to start with you first as the playwright. Could you tell us a little bit about what this show is about, essentially? Basically, it's never really stated in the show, but it's it's Boston around Halloween 1999. The main character is Theo. And he's done very well. He's a banker in Boston, and he's he's got this apartment house in Boston. He owns it, but he got a great de- he got a great offer for it, and he they want him to move to New York to become part of the dot com revolution. But the problem is, there's an aggressive ghost within uh, the apartment complex, and 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 Theo thinks he who he knows that uh, who the ghost is. He's not sure. He doesn't want to leave the space and leave the ghost behind. So he reaches out to Jasper, who's a psychic medium. And uh, together they have a pretty impressive epic seance where where Theo uh, thinks that I'll think Theo thinks that the only thing he needs to do is get rid of the ghost, but the ghost actually has other plans. So that's the basic setup. It's a it's a 15 minute play. That is wonderful. Let me follow it up by asking Eugene, how did you come up with the idea for the show? For a lot of my more successful efforts, it starts with what if. You know, what if, because I moved out of Boston in 1997 and, and started covering Wall Street in a big way. I, I, my day, One of my day jobs is as a journalist covering covering the world of Wall Street and, and a lot of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes uh, with um, the technology and the operations. But I, I was also thinking like, well, what if I had stayed in Boston and stayed in this? It was the best apartment I had ever had in Boston. It was really lovely in many rooms. It's so much space. And I kept I kept having dreams about it. So I, and, and in every dream, it was a, the, the apartment was even better. There was another room I hadn't seen before. There were there were other aspects to it. And then from that, it came the impetus for the play. And I have to add, I'm also a psychic medium. So those interesting things, those two aspects of myself uh, came together in, in this play. So I thought, let's, and, and, and there's, it has more than one foot in reality. I had a roommate there whom I learned more about sort of after he, he had moved out. Some of his roommates did some kind of nasty things to him when he got some very bad news about his life. So, um, so that that all coalesced in, 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 into the play, and it is the play is not strictly biographical, but but there's certainly some real life circumstances that I put into the play. That's amazing. That is truly amazing. 
Rachel, I want to bring you on now as the director. How did you come upon this work? So Eugene and I have been working together on various projects for, I think, about five years now. And yeah, it's been an amazing collaboration. We've done quite a few pieces together. And actually, the first piece that we worked on together was an earlier version of Blythe Seance. They, there was a like very small reading up, I think it was in it was downtown a- Men. Oh, yeah, go ahead. It was... I had to go back and look at my resume. It was a reading at the Medicine Show Theater Ensemble in New York City, August 2018th. It was, and that's the theater above Ensemble Studio Theater, way over on 52nd and 11th Avenue. Now, the Medicine Show Theater group doesn't exist anymore. They, the event, it it ended. That that particular ensemble is, is, is no longer with us. But I, I know some people there, and and they had uh, frequent readings in in yeah. July and August, and and I was able to get time for a reading of this new piece of work, and I I uh, reached out to to Rachel, um, a, another playwright recommended you, and yep. it's been a great great collaboration ever since, and then we had a script in hand development production at the Little Victory Theater on Staten Island. Yes. So um, I've been with this piece for quite some time, and it's been really fun to watch the world really come together and really look at how these characters are expressing themselves in such a short amount of time. What I love about working with Eugene is his plays pack a huge punch. It's always a very short script. Like the script is actually, I think, nine pages if you take out like the character descriptions and yet it always runs at least 15 if not more because there's so much going on and like our table work always gets into all of these really deep rich character moments that actors get to work on and that has been something with this play that has been developing and just every time we work on it the characters get richer and richer so this time when it was accepted into the Players Theater Short Short Play Festival. I was like, oh yeah, finally we get to revisit this. It's also interesting revisiting this piece after COVID, after a pandemic, and after a lot of people have left New York City and have taken on day jobs that they, you know, may not have taken if the industry was still, you know, was was up and running. Because this show is very much it's an identity piece. It is about a person at a crossroads trying to choose between this safe corporate job and actually being himself and being happy and being himself not only in, you know, who he is, but also in whether he's going to go to New York or, or build a winery. That's what he actually wants to do. So there's, there's a lot of really great themes resonating. Also the ghost is a friend who has died recently and coming to terms with that death and having both the ghost and that person move on to the next level of what that means for them. I think being an older director now, or, you know, five years older than I was the first time I looked at this and, you know, going through a pandemic. And I just think there's a lot of that kind of loss and moving on and resonating that really really feels prevalent right now. So it's it's another layer that is really interesting to work with in the rehearsal room. I love that. 
Rachel, I kind of want to build on your your answer there, and I would love to know, as we're getting ready to open this show at the Players Theater, what has it been like developing this particular iteration of the show? Yeah, so this iteration, we've had actually the most rehearsal time that we've ever had, but we have an entirely new cast. Uh, The last few times we've kept on one or two actors, which just helps because there's already an established language. This time we have a fully new cast, and... It has been really exciting to see these characters take shape in different actors and see how they bring themselves to the role. And particularly, one of the things that we've been focusing on in rehearsal is the language of the ghost. So we have one character who is our ghost, Rupert. He doesn't speak because ghosts don't speak to us in human language in this world. It's more of he provides sound and movement to give us a sense of what he's talking about. And one of the fun things, at least fun for me as a director, is coming up with that physical language and that audible language that the ghost is using. So the way that we did this is we actually started by playing charades. I just gave a bunch of different phrases that this character might say. And we started playing a game of telephone in the room just to develop, okay, how does this actor embody, you know, the feeling of, I'm sorry, the feeling of, I want you to leave, or I want you to stay. So we just started kind of playing in that realm. And then that led to what I actually did, which I was so nervous. Eugene and I were talking about this because it's what you're not supposed to do to a writer's script. I wrote in the dialogue for the ghost temporarily, just so the actor would have a bigger sense of like, this is the idea that we're going for. And we did a rehearsal where we added dialogue for the ghost and then slowly took it away. So it started off with a full on scene. And then by the end of rehearsal, we actually had it back to no dialogue at all, just gestures. That was a language that Jasper, our medium, and Rupert, our ghost, had in common. So that was a really exciting process and a really fun challenge for a director is how do you get a character without any speech to communicate? And just just so you understand, the, the ghost can only communicate with Jasper, who is the psychic medium who was brought in to run the sands. So, so And there is some slight interactions with the main character, but really, the main the main line of communication is through Jasper. So it gives that gives the actor something to do, I guess. Yeah. That sounds so cool, though. What a wonderful story, Eugene. I want to start with you on this next question as the playwright, and I'd love to know mm-hmm. what is the message or thought you're hoping that the audiences will take away from the show. I think it is that that you can't really move on un, un, until you've reconciled yourself with your ghosts and 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 that generally means some kind of painful change but the the benefit being that you can move on i think because I, I think you know that's kind of a universal message that comes from the very specific situation we've created but i think i, I think a lot of people you know have a, 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 some of them may have literal ghosts in their life but i but i i mean sort of like the you know, like the figurative ghosts that hold them back which are which could be people or 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 situations caused by other people that impair them that that stop them that serve as a barrier to moving on and and as a barrier to who they really are and and uh, i think that's 
I think that was kind of, if, if there was anything within my subconscious that made any sense, I think that was it. That's wonderful. Rachel, how about you? What is the message or thought you're hoping that audiences will take away? Yeah, I think that's definitely what Eugene said is, is right there. I think it is about coming to terms with yourself, with your past and with your future and being really being open and true to who to who you are. I think there's this beautiful moment between Theo and Rupert that is the first time we've been talking about it in rehearsal as like the first time that Theo has really felt himself or has really opened up. And what's also lovely about this is that Jasper and Theo become friends throughout the show, which is not normal for a psychic medium client relationship. So learning so adding on to like, you know, it feels like Jasper's kind of the now and the future for Theo in a lot of ways, whereas Rupert and his ghosts are more of the past. And one of the things that allows Theo to move on is knowing that, or Rupert to move on is knowing that Jasper is there for Theo now, rather than Rupert who cannot be there. So there's a lot of coming to terms and and just being yourself and loving yourself and loving your community, loving who's around you. Those, those are the, the big themes that I want people to know. <laughs> yeah. And I think for a lot of people, that's still an issue, truly loving yourself and caring about yourself. And, and therefore you actually start to care more about those in your life. I love that. What a wonderful message. Yeah. Finally, to wrap this first part of our interview up, I'd love to ask the question, who do you hope have access to your show? And Rachel, if I can start with you on that, please. Yeah, I mean, I think this show is definitely for artists, for theater goers. And I think it's a very accessible show for a lot of people, which is why I'm really happy it's a part of a festival. It works really nicely as a festival piece. So I'm excited to share it with, with like the theater community at large. Yes, love it. Eugene, how about you? Yeah, I was thinking about there are going to be younger folks who were not adults during the the uh, the nineteen nineties, and 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 this could give them an insight to that to um, a very specific situation that could be. I hope will still resonate with them. And then for for the older folks, they lived through that. They lived through that, and they lived through some of this some of the very difficult problems that come up in this piece, and. And and they have a, and maybe now they have a different perspective on it, and maybe that that could also you know give them not not a sense of closure, but a sense that 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 what they did during those difficult times was completely justified, and even though they they struggled, they they did get to a better place. I want to change things up now and let our listeners get to know the two of you a little bit better. Pick your mm-hmm. brains, if you will. And I want to start with you, Eugene. And I want to ask, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows inspire you or are just some of your favorites? Composers, Easy, Sondheim, I guess, and Kander and Ebb. They, they, Because I also do, I'm also uh, branching out and doing um, um, some lyrical 
work and some book writing work with uh, a couple of musical projects. So Kander and Ebb and definitely uh, Stephen Sondheim. I, I, I guess for this particular project, I was inspired by Poltergeist, Ghost, and this uh, wonderful English movie called Truly Madly Deeply, which is just, just you know, wonderful productions about about uh, the afterlife and 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 how it affects affects our, our our life on this side of things. And then there's so many so many playwrights that David Ives with because his short plays are so wonderful and so difficult to to even try to match. But I've got a huge William Hoffman, uh, Larry Kramer, those those plays about the, about that time and and about the AIDS crisis were really powerful. So I guess I guess those would be some of those who 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 still impact me. And I seem to uh, to default to, to to Shakespeare whenever I've got a, a big question about about a piece, like like okay, you know, in this tragedy, how what was that tragic flaw? How did it? How did it manifest itself? How did a person get from this point to that that tragic moment? Yeah, and 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 I think so. Yeah, so I would say Shakespeare, and then uh, Tennessee Williams. Yeah, I think those are the two playwrights that really impact me. Wonderful list there. Wonderful names, Rachel. We've had you on our show before, so we've asked you about that once previously. So I would like to ask you this time instead: How did you come into the performing arts? Oh, well, my story into performing arts, actually, it starts on 9-11, which is a big day for a lot, a lot of people. I was, I was six. So right after the, in the aftermath, the mayor told everyone to come see a Broadway show. And my parents who have always been theater lovers did not need to be told twice. So they took me to see 42nd Street, the revival. And I fell in love with it. I was obsessed with the show. And after act one, act one ends, spoiler alert, with the star breaking her ankle on stage. And it's in the middle of the big 42nd Street number. And the lights come up for intermission. And I was devastated because I thought we had to go home because the star broke her ankle and we weren't gonna see act two. And my parents had to explain to me that that was that was acting and I was hooked right there. So I always knew that I wanted to be involved in the theater. I started acting and dancing and singing and did that all the way through college. And then I went to Ithaca College. And in my first year, I took this introductory course called script analysis, which teaches you how to take apart a script. Every theater major knows what I'm talking about. And I, it was taught by the directing faculty or the lead directing professor, Wendy Dan. And all of a sudden I realized that I have been looking at scripts as a director, not as an actor. And that's probably why I was a very difficult actor to work with because I was thinking about you know, everyone on stage and what's happening in the entire production rather than like an actor, you need to have very specific one perspective or, you know, maybe multiple perspectives. And so that opened up a whole new realm where I was like, oh, I'm going to try to direct something. So I tried directing 39 Steps and it was so much fun. I just loved working with designers and actors. And I, one of the things I love about directing is you get a little bit from every collaborator that you work with. 
So instead of you can kind of be a little bit, you can be good at a lot of things, but you rely on experts who are better at them. So you kind of get your foot in a bunch of different things, which is something that I really, really love. So from there, I kind of shifted my focus of my degree to directing. I assisted directed and directed throughout college and then moved back to New York City and started directing and meeting with playwrights. That's around when I met Eugene. And that's when I started to learn about new work development and really finding that I really love to work with playwrights as they develop their work. I love workshopping early drafts and seeing how the world changes and kind of gets ready for a production. So that's kind of been my, my focus. And here, here we are today. Love that. Well, I'm going to move on to our next question now. And we've had to say goodbye to our director as she had to head to another appointment. So Eugene, I would love to know if you've seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners. This woman, the character's name is Barbara Dixon, but she's been created by this lovely woman, Leah Spector and and Brad Stevens, but but Leah brings to life the Barbara Dixon character. And uh, there's, it's, it's, it's her life story and, and songs. And she creates this whole world. And I've, I've seen her, I saw her actually virtually remotely when she was working in Las Vegas. And then she came to New York and I saw her live and just uh, Leah and, and company are doing a great job uh, at, at creating a character that I, 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 it's just really engaging and hilarious and sad at the same time. It, she does uh, some great stuff. And I mean, poignant, not sad, poignant. I don't want to get her in trouble. And she comes from a comedy background. She's an actress and dancer and a whole bit, but she's, she's, she and her group have done a great, I, I, that, it just really stuck out to me how, how wonderful that night was. And, and, and the only, uh, I, I saw, I guess, Leopoldstadt, that that was really I I thought I thought that was an amazing production. Both of those are fantastic. Eugene, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? I I think it's if the audience members have a real experience that that if we've done our job right, we cast a spell and we've got them for whatever however long the piece is, like even fifteen minutes to ninety minutes, you know. If they have an experience where they are lifted up and out of their own world and into the world of the of, of the play or the musical, then I think I think we've done our job. And 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 I for me, I want them to have a, a pretty profound experience, not just one emotion, but maybe multiple emotions. And and I want them to you know, I don't know if we can change the world and all that, or but maybe maybe start something, plant a seed. For something in their life that they can change or, or or change their perception of the world in some positive way. But I, I want them to have like a really profound experience that that leads to something good. Yeah. And when they come back to you and thank you and they, you know, and they have, a, you know, that that is the, the greatest feeling. I absolutely yeah. love that. What a wonderful response. What a wonderful idea. That's beautiful. Yeah. And now we've arrived at my favorite question to ask us, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? Okay, well, I guess for something that I participated in, 
it was the summer of 2013. We had a the, we had a, a longer play. It was I think 30 to 40 minutes long. It's called A Session to Remember. It was again another festival situation, but we won four awards. We won best actress, best actor, best play, and then you know, and then we tied for most favorite. So it was great. It was a great night, a great experience. That was that's a great great theater memory. I think Long Day's Journey in Tonight with Vanessa Redgrave, as far as as far as you know, being an audience member and, and interacting with the piece, that production. And I, I, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the actual year, but Vanessa Redgrave was in it. It was maybe 2004. I, sorry, maybe we had to fact check that. But, but just seeing Vanessa, because she's a fantastic actress, I think that that is just burned in my memory. And and having that experience and, and that whole, and everyone in that production was terrific. But Vanessa was unbelievable in, 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 that, perform, in that production. Those are amazing memories. I love them. Thank you so much for sharing those memories with us. Those were amazing. Do you have other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? I'm working with a composer. His name is Robert Peretti. And we there was a, a, a 10-minute play of mine called Graduation, which has gotten quite a few productions as, as in, in festivals and elsewhere. And talk about long-term projects. We've uh, Robert and I have been working on it for a long time, and we we've got we have about well, I've the the book is, is well underway, and we reworked the book quite a bit, and I and worked on the outline and so forth. But we have enough for a. I think we will have enough by next year to have a teaser, what we're calling a teaser for the musical which will be about 20 to 30 minutes of the musical, probably, probably, yeah, 20 minutes of music and then and then the book. And we're going to try to pull that together and try to get, you know, backers and others interested. But And it's based on the play. The play was called Graduation. That may not be the the actual title of the musical to come, but it's it's been quite an experience to take a 10-minute play and turn it into like a two-hour musical. So that that I'm hoping I'm hoping that we can that that can be the next big thing for 2024, among other things. And and I still I love festivals, so I'll be sending my shorter plays to the festivals and see if I can get a hit with one of them. We have a, a I, I'm working with a collaborator, a wonderful actor. His name is Jamie Fariniak, and he's also a writer. And we work we're working on a series called it's it's a it's about a young seminarian who is wants to be a priest. He's denied the ability to become a priest because having an affair with a Monsignor. And he doesn't want to name names and, and, and reveal the other priests who are gay. And the, the the tentative title is Forgive Me Father. And we've been we've been shopping that around for a while. And things of course halted with the strike. So who knows? We might uh, we might be uh we might get lucky. And then of course I'm gonna reach out to all the actors and actresses that I've worked with before from the exciting world of theater and pull them into the show if I can. I'm also a part of a documentary directed by the great Lana Wilson. She just directed the documentary about Brooke Shields and the documentary is about psychic mediums in New York city. And it's going to be, it's going to be on Hulu. I love that. That sounds exciting. A lot of things coming from you. It sounds like 
And that's a great lead into my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Blythe Seance or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Well, I have a website. It's uh, eugenegrigotv.com. Also, it also comes up as Off the Ground Productions, uh, affiliated with my name, Eugene Grigo. So if you do a Google search with my name, uh, OTG, Off the Ground Productions, you can find out, you can get updated on everything I'm, I'm, I'm doing there. And if you keep, if you just search the name, I've got, a, a, I have a face, a couple of Facebook pages devoted to some of my projects and, and a kind of goofy blog that, that does often have updates on what I'm doing. Well, Eugene, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today about this incredible, incredible new show and about all the other works you've got going on and all your insight. I really appreciate you taking the time. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. It's really it's going to help to get the word out there and thank and it's always great to just stop and talk about theater. (laughs) Thank you very much. My guests today have been the director, Rachel Langton, and the playwright, Eugene Grigo, whose upcoming show, Blythe Seance, is a part of two different festivals going on here in the city. It's playing October 5th through the 8th at the Players Theatre as part of the Short Play Festival, and October 21st and 23rd at the Crane Theatre as part of the Days of the Dead Festival. You can get your ticket to more information by visiting playerstheater.com and frigid.nyc for those respected festivals. And finally, we have some contact information for Eugene that we're going to be including in our episode description as well as on our social media posts. So make sure you check out all this great information. Make sure you check out this great show, Blythe Seance, October 5th through the 8th at the Players Theater and October 21st and 23rd at the Crane Theater. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.